0: This episode of Solar Stories is produced by Mouth Media Network and presented by Solar.
1: This is sort of the forefront of where the influencer community is going because there's a direct path to an audience now that didn't exist five, six, seven years ago. And people should recognize the difference between where the marketplace is today versus even like a day ago. Like Things are happening so fast now that if you're not riding the front end of the wave, you're you don't want to be at the back of that
2: when it comes to iconic brands like adidas how do relationships with major celebrities like kanye west and pharrell even start and what do those relationships mean for the future of branding who better to ask than john wexler vice president global entertainment and influencer marketing at adidas in front of a vibrant audience at the solar speakeasy event in new york's chelsea music hall John joined me and fashion, technology, and business development expert, Pavan Ball. The conversation was wide ranging, starting with important context on how consequential the sneaker and streetwear industry has become. And coming up, you'll hear why you have to be in front to have a chance at success, and how Adidas is playing with that effectively. Then, an extraordinary story about Snoop Dogg and a contract. Why you can't like two things, what Kanye means to John, And will John reveal his next talent? I'm George Manley, and you can follow John at his handle on Instagram, at Wex, and his story on this episode of Solar Stories, the art and business of influence.
3: John, first of all, thanks for uh, being here with us in New York. It's a it's a, a great experience just to have you over here. You're such an influence in this world, so let's start there. Um, going macro and kind of like I want to paint a picture of what's happening in this like the sneaker world specifically. So beyond streetwear, but sneakers itself, and then maybe kind of dive into that. So you've seen in 2017, the the sneaker market was 50 billion dollars. Um, it's tracked to go to 2025 to be about like 95, like short of 100 billion dollars. Um, the full footwear uh, like marketplace is 200 billion dollars, so 95 of that going to sneakers in the next six years or so. You're finding brands that are in the luxury space, playing in the streetwear space. Um, there's a just a lot of attention on this marketplace. You're finding in a in a world where people are, I guess. Less loyal to brands, or that's what brands are afraid of, you're finding that in this segment they're actually hyper loyal, so there's a lot of learnings that now the entire fashion industry and product in in general product categories are looking at sneakerwear and streetwear as how do I hold this attention and and how do I scale with this community mindset and and building for that now you've been at adidas uh, I guess a collective tenure of over sixteen years
1: yes, yeah.
3: So, so when you reflect now on your experience and uh, through it all, like what is your participation in this growth and this, this whole economy?
1: Well, um, you know, especially for the people in this room, I think that uh, where Adidas had a, had a unique insight was recognizing that as a global brand, it's really difficult to tell your story consistently everywhere when there's translation and sort of like local market trends moral you know anything you want to say and influencers are the one sort of consistent factor to help you tell a consistent message everywhere because they're able to kind of take your story interpret it for their friends and stitch it together in a way that's relevant and authentic in the local community so um for us i think that that just the growth of of what we've accomplished there's it's hard to parse out what's unique you know what's Specifically, been the catalyst for it. There's plenty of things you can mention, from the technologies to the people who are our messengers, um, et cetera, to the campaigns and all the great design work, everything. But influencer played a critical role.
3: Well, you mentioned the the, the growth of the whole se- the growth of the company. the The last three years to note have been explosive. I mean, the giant has always been the giant, and it seems like it's not the giant anymore. It's an actual peer and direct competitor. Um, so you've seen over the last year over year from 16 to 17, you're finding that, you know, out of that 50 billion, you saw Nike had about like 20 or 20, or not, grow from 19 to 21 billion. You saw Adidas grow from 10 billion to 15 point something billion. That is a massive amount of market share. And, um, you know, you're it's uh, what <sighs> It, it's just, it's tremendous. I read, so I called on my friends today, actually. This is a stat that you probably haven't seen yet. So I called on my friends, a sneaker tracker, and I was like, yo, do you have any like. Call out. So there, there's two one is by brand, and one is by actual model. So what they do is track the actual post consumer wearing, like actual, the. How many people are actually wearing the shoe? So, not just purchasing it. So, forget about what I just said before. So, you're finding actually Adidas is a market leader. So, you're selling about like 36% of the people rocking are rocking Adidas right now around the world. You're finding that 8.1% of people are using or rocking the NMDs over, over Air Max ones, as well, and which are tied with, I think, the Yeezy the uh, uh, 350s. So, like, that is, I mean, <laughs> that's tremendous. So people are buying them, they're wearing them. Um, the, I mean, a lot of it is attributed to the, the partnership deals that you have been directly involved in, but I mean, what do you like, what's your reflection on that? Um,
1: I mean, obviously that when you come to a city like New York specifically, and you see a ton of stripes up and down Broadway, um, it's a lot different than it was, uh, in 2015, 2014. And I've worked at the company forever, like you said earlier. So, um, it's noticeable. And it's noticeable, like you said, from a market share standpoint, too. But I think that it's the coolest part is when people talk about you when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now, um, because of the great, you know, it, it's a culmination of all the factors, but design, message, messenger, um, we've struck a nice moment within the industry. And our competition is not standing still. They're seeing the playbook we ran. They're, they're adapting to what we've been doing. Um, and we, therefore, are now trying to level up once again in terms of how we approach certain marketplaces. You know, the the word influencer, when we started this, you know, plan in 20, uh, 2009, we started really focusing on influencers specifically, but then with the emergence of social media, it kind of exploded um, recently in the last, like, 40 years. But when we started this, influencer meant someone not – a celebrity. Now the word influencer is, is a catch all for people who are Mm -hmm. globally iconic as well as people who are just starting their YouTube channel or trying to figure out like what their haul is going to be or um, what their niche is going to be within social media and how, how, how they can differentiate themselves. So um, it's just been interesting over the last few years, like as Adidas business has grown and evolved, so has the whole influencer economy. So, so everyone's kind of looking at this space, figuring it out as we're talking mm-hmm. and um fortunately adidas made enough mistakes early on and experimented and and i say that with love like it's good to make mistakes you learn from that quicker and all that stuff i don't say that as a like a disparaging thing um we fortunately have a track record where we can reflect on sort of the missteps more so than People are trying to enter the space now. Or are now going to repeat all those things. Well, you also things. have a
3: track record of being in the middle yeah. of culture. So, I mean, you've always already had in the DNA of the, the company just collaborating. So, Run DMC, I'm, I'm rocking it yes. because, you know, it's an iconic example of partnerships uh, across verticals that hasn't really been seen before that. The original right?
1: collab. Yeah. And
3: and so, but you mentioned something about technology. Now, Adidas as a company is known for its innovation on the product level as well as on the experiential level. So I'm wondering how closely you work with those R&D teams, whether it's digital or on product, um, to do what you do, because I could only imagine that it's very close knit, like they all affect each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, well... Full disclosure, my ba- I've worked at Adidas sixteen years. My badge didn't get me on the floor where they do that technology stuff till mm-hmm. about two years ago, and um, congratulations! They, yeah, I finally <laughs> made it. They um, they treat that stuff super. Uh, it Classified. is the sacred. It's yeah. like the recipe for Coke. Yeah, you can actually uh, track the trajectory of the growth we've had with the introduction of Boost, which is the most comfortable technology in the industry. Um, that said. Brands have tried for years to roll out different innovations, and unless you have, you know, equal parts product, message, and messenger, you you might not get the coverage you're looking for, hit that sort of what is it, critical mass that you're trying to mm-hmm. achieve to the point where people start talking to each other about it and not just you talking at someone about it. Right. So, um, you know, I think that there was a nice constellation of different factors. And some of those are driven just off of, like, the desire to to disrupt the industry in the marketplace. And I think that that's something that, you know, just kind of like to draw the parallel to what solar is doing is very, it's very disruptive. And so I think that that's sort of the insight that, that everything that we did started from. And if, I mean, as a person within the sneaker industry, I say this, as, as a person who, who you know, wants to, to continue to make change, we need to do that again. Like the brands need to disrupt yeah. the industry again. The internet is moving at such light speed and people are so innovative in their own lives. Um, you know, brands used to say, here's something cool. This is the trend. Now brands are listening to what the people in this room are talking about and saying, how can we feed that? And how can we, you know, both introduce our point of view, but also reflect the point of view of what um, consumers are looking for? So can I ask you about that? So
2: I feel like Nike is on a campaign right now to make themselves a smaller company again. Um, They've got the Colin Kaepernick stuff, which I think is awesome. They've got the unbelievable video of the cerebral palsy athlete from Portland, Oregon. They're, They're trying to Shrink themselves again, right? They're trying to make themselves cool and small and, and truthfully keep up with Adidas because you called out Sneaker Tracker. I'm going to call out my wife. Caitlin worked for <laughs> Ortholite. Sup, <girl>. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin worked for Ortholite, which sold you all the insoles for so many years. And she told me two years ago, she's like, I am now selling more millions of pairs to adidas than than we are to nike and nike is a much bigger company but adidas was growing faster and putting out more shoes per year so the whole like we all know that adidas is is just chomping at nike's you know market share but but nike's now reacting to that is my point and they're trying to they're trying to make themselves look smaller again look cooler look look more focused on the individual right so so how how are you and how is Adidas sort of reacting to that message?
1: Um, well, shout out to Ortholite, first <laughs> off. Super comfy and cozy. Um,
0: yeah, this podcast is going to be funded
1: in no time. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> sponsorship opportunity Cha-ching. for you guys. <laughs> um, for, for what we're trying to do, um, I think that a lot of the growth that we experienced over the last three years was because our businesses was in a place where, to your point, people perceived us as a startup. Um specifically in the u s where right. in other parts of the world we 've got a much more mature brand and life cycle, so definitely hear what you 're saying on that and um you know right now, because of the growth we 've experienced there 's definitely this perception that. Adidas has, has, has reached this pinnacle and, and we're definitely happy with what we've done, but we know we have so much more room to grow. I mean, just speaking to the total volume that we do versus our largest competitor. So yeah, we're, we're just trying to um, put out our own messages and and really have a unique point of differentiation for what we're trying to do as a brand that really supports creators and people are trying to um, you know, we're trying to sort of enable people to put their stories out in a, in a unique platform um, but you say
2: we, you're really shaping a lot of this messaging because you're signing the major talent. And that's that's really sort of pitching the future of where the, the brand's going to head, right? Especially in North America.
1: Well, we definitely, you know, the, the, the thing about Adidas is, is that it's a very open source mentality. It's one of our key pillars of how the brand views itself. And so um, we know we don't have all the expertise internally. I mean, one of the reasons that my badge didn't get me into that floor was because the, the technology was so secretive and we don't want any leaks of any type whatsoever. Um, but at the same time, the guys in that room who are actually like the engineers and biochemists and physicists, and the people who are looking at the way your body uh, muscular systems work together. All those scientists, um, they still realize that like the technology and the, 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 science is moving faster than than uh, we are internally. So we bring in those brains. And some of those brains are from the music space, some are from the art space, and some are um, technologists, digital technologists. Some are Athletes. in the recycling space. I mean, some of the most innovative work we're doing right now is basically mm-hmm. removing plastic. It started by removing plastic from the oceans and recycling that into shoes. Um, and then simultaneous to that or parallel to that, we also removed all the plastic from our stores and offices, which immediately took like 40 tons out of the out of the marketplace. Let's so, give a clap for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think it's, one, it's wildly place. important that companies yeah. at your capacity that are thinking about that type of stuff, that is major impact yeah. when it comes together. You know, wherever you can like make people's lives better through sport, that's where we want to be. And uh, wherever we can bring creativity through, that's where we want to be. And and right now, some of the work that we're doing in sustainability is not just like sneaker industry leading, but like we're speaking at the U, our CMO went and spoke at the UN, our CEO went and spoke at the White House when Barack Obama, President Obama was in there. Stuff like that. So- you know,
3: I see you guys, uh, you know, the parallel that I'm making is to like the craft brewery communities, right? Where you have Sam Adams that is the, the original craft brewer, or in my mind it is. And they've set up training mechanisms to like help other craft brewers. And there's this whole ecosystem. And the reason why I'm kind of saying this is like I'm wondering how you view your participation when it comes to, you know, the the starters and the – you know the the Kappas and the Felas that are all these heritage brands, but you guys are like the OG heritage brand that are other trail makers that have the ability to support and move forward this industry in, a, in an impactful and authentic way, I guess. And I'm wondering how you see your participation with with all these folks that are kind of
1: re-entering the market. Um, because we have that authenticity that you reference, we're we're trying to really chart our own course, and as people jump in the pool with us, we're just trying to have enough of a leadership position and forward-thinking position that yeah. we don't have to really get caught up in that. Um, this we, is just we're the first segment. Much more we're going to talk about you next. No, no, it's all good. We're just trying to have much more of a long view when, we, when we're when we working. And so I don't want to disparage anybody that's that's trying to compete with us as much as just focus on where we're at, because that's really, you know, in 2015, that was the difference. We, we made some... Major technological advances, and we made some major signings for the brand mm. from the sports side to the artist side to the entertainment side, et cetera. Uh,
2: ultra Boost. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Boost, yeah. Manchester United, Kanye and Pharrell, etc. Real Madrid just recently. Real Madrid, etc. So, um, but when we did that, we stopped worrying about the noise of the competition and said, "Who do we want to be?" And I think that for everyone in this room, that's kind of really important because. You know, if you, if you define yourself as other than the brand that you're competing with, you'll never be anything more than that. Where if you like actually look at to your values and say, you know, what do I see when I look in the mirror? What do I want people to say about me when I'm not in the room? What do I want to say about myself when I look in the mirror? Cause sometimes you're not satisfied. And I think that that's, um, more the mentality we're taking is like looking inward versus looking outward.
3: You know, when you, so then, then looking at that though, so you've, uh, of course, like when you think about the influencer work that you've done, a lot of people look at, at Kanye. But as we as you mentioned uh, earlier, there's so much more in terms of like the athletes athlete sphere, um, the fashion sphere, the collaboration sphere that you guys are doing. That is such a holistic approach to this. So, you know, Kanye, no Kanye. I, I've, there's such a strong tribe of people behind Adidas right now that was kind of masterfully put together. No joke. Um, that makes this a brand of real relevance, right? So when I see, like, the Real Madrid deal that comes in, $1.1 billion, right? You see uh, Messi's on board. I mean, you you see James Harden on board. Uh, I mean, the D-Wade, like, you see it on and on and on. You, These
2: are all your signings, right? Stella uh, McCartney,
3: right?
1: Um, what, what else do you – I mean, it's – I, I don't work on the non-athlete stuff. No, no, but of course, but it's all, yeah. it, it, you know, like, it all kind of works in. We're definitely, yeah. like, um, involved in all those those moments because when we decide to go after someone, we do a full presentation of them with, you know, support from, I mean, Coach Snoop. You know, if we're going after an NFL athlete, right. yeah. Snoop is, is involved deeply. And if we're going after um, – Certain other athletes, uh, we ask our, all of our family to get involved and really mm-hmm. to support the presentation. So, um, you know, for Paul Pogba or for Harden or, or um, any of the, the rookies, we picked up Damian Lillard, uh, who's, who's always killing it. Uh, we, we definitely are integrated in that process, but there's a different team that does the actual, like, negotiating part. We, our team is responsible, and it's anyone from, like, the music, Film, streaming, fashion, art, dance, esports—like th- those communities, Wait like a minute, the let me non-athlete. Ask
2: you so, with Pharrell and Kanye, like, yeah, when you signed them, you weren't involved in the negotiation. Like no, I did that. You did, yeah, that?
1: yeah. Me and my lawyer right. do that. Yeah, yeah. No, we so do the non-athlete. You gotta we make. Do but the I'm the saying non-athlete.
2: you gotta sit with them. And yeah, you gotta make this deal happen. Yep. So, it's, what's that like? You're sitting with these superstars and you're
1: saying, I want you to well, partner with my company. You no, know, like, it's 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 if you agree to the shared vision of what you're trying to accomplish, the rest of the stuff kind of if you if if you can agree on that, then everything else falls into place. If if you don't align early on shared vision, what's gonna underpin that from a business and sort of marketing standpoint, um Then, yeah, you have to
3: start. You know, you you met Kanye in 2012. This is a couple of years before anything really popped off. Like the first time you actually met him was 2012. Now it takes a while to develop these deals. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. even with, with, uh, with Pharrell and all these, you know, those launches are going forever. I mean, these are things that pay dividends. But the reason I, sorry, I, I went off track in my head a little bit, but I wanted to tie it into you personally and how the authenticity is like from the core. It's from the team because I remember Kanye was, um, I think it was like a footwear something, uh, awards show where he got, um, who was awarded uh, something and he says, John Wexler saved my life, you know, uh, of Adidas saved my life. And he goes on to say, you know, the reason why I went on with Adidas is because he is so authentically part of the culture. He understands where I'm from. He like he completely gets it. And it's not something that was researched 30 minutes before he met me. It was something that was you know, it was, it was just a human to human connection at that point. Right. So these deals, um, with Adidas seem like these people are coming into the family because they're family, just similar to why we have this whole group of amazing people in this room right now is because there's a human to human element that we're trying, you know, that we're we're all just like Kanye and Farrell. Like how important is that resonance with you? Like that moment when, when Kanye says that, and you're in the audience, I think you were in, were you in the audience at that time?
1: Yeah, I was there. You were there. Yeah, it was, like what? It was it, like surprise. It was very yeah, surprising. Like, what, yeah. how did that? Awesome.
3: Like, how does that now connect to what you do?
1: Like in a nutshell, the uh, the ability to operate externally to to when I meet people, you know, there's a certain level of trust that's inherent as a result of that cosine, you know, and that's kind of like from an influencer world that cosine, you know, going back to when we started doing the sneaker seating and really focusing on the influencer community, that cosine was so critical. And then, you know, the cosine culture became the attention culture where people were like, Oh, you know, paid posts and whatnot, and things kind of morphed in that industry. But in terms of just the parallel to when he said that at that moment, you know, one I was completely shocked that he said it, and now it's like what you'll find if you Google my name is that's the first thing that pops up. Where um, I'm glad because it replaced the thing that was actually like not good for me, so that was good. <laughs> but um, the
3: yeah, he changed it's called my good life. SEO, man. What's that? That's good SEO. Exactly, good SEO. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: No, he changed my life in every way, shape, or form. On the respect that I that I receive both from the people I work with, the community of people that we work with outside the brand um you know it it has had a, a really positive impact and uh you know i thank him daily for that and all the people we work with though it's your statement about family it's true like we like i like to think of adidas as like the brand of the people and so we we try to keep it as human as ever and i think that that's sort of one of the reasons he gravitated towards us was that he was really looking for a, a place where the humanity would kind of
0: you know,
1: ring true.
3: So from there, though, what I'm noticing now, um, you guys have been doing a lot of uh, collaborations. Of course, it makes it easier with 3D printing and the 4D souls and all these things uh, with not only folks like Daniel Arshad, um, or Arshad or Kith, uh, Ronnie there, or you're doing them with stores um, in different markets, whether it's yeah. Hong Kong and Berlin or wherever else. And you're actually like, is that, is that shifting to a, a more macro strategy of influence? Is that a community play there?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, those stores control what consumers see, which is like a unique leg up for the people in this room because they control what their audiences see. You know, so it's sort of a fork in the road where choices can be made about what people want to support within a solar store versus you know, kind of your statement earlier about the things mm-hmm. you'll find there versus your, you know, largest competitor in the space. Um, But yeah, I think that the stores themselves, they they understand the trends on the the street level better than anybody. You know, you can aggregate social media content for sentiment and listening tools and what have you, but I'll take the store clerk's feedback seven days a week. And uh, they're talking to consumers every day. They're getting real-time feedback on your products. And I think that the future of retail is really kind of trying to merge that notion of like a creation center and a, and a store where you can kind of do testing and whatnot. And you know, it's probably like five to ten years out. But well, when that you're looking at collaborations now, I mean, it makes it so much easier, right? Uh, they definitely can help you to establish a trend within the audiences that shop that tier and create a desirability factor within the resale market that. Um, is it triggers that whole like exclusivity scarcity well, business well, model it's the same
3: thing if i'm a record label i want to make relationships with all the different you know um you know the different stations and the vjs and the disc jockeys like i want them playing my artist records right Definitely. kind of the same thing where like I, I think this is brilliant
2: let's take a moment Follow the show on Instagram at solar underscore stories, and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. Pav talked about the sneaker industry. He's got deep, deep knowledge, he's got deep, deep passion, as does John. But I would really like to focus on John himself as a human being. Well, let me just start with one of actually the biggest questions I have. I mean, you're you're walking through this this life, you're walking through this job that you have with Adidas, and you know, you're thinking every day about what new talent is coming out and what is cool and what's happening on the street and what's relevant and how can we keep up with our competitors and so my question to you right now is like if you could sign any talent today, who would it be?
1: Wow. We're uh we're we're always looking at new people and uh we have a variety of people that we're gonna be announcing over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. The uh no, no, but in all seriousness, like we're I think that if people think of Adidas, the first thing they think of is um, you know after they get past the brand and what we stand for, they think of the partners. So we're always super um, longevity-minded about the people we work with because if you think about a guy like Stan Smith, that guy, the Stan Smith sneaker, people think he's a shoe, but is that, he's a real person. He's still alive. And he's, <laughs> like, I've met his children and he's a great guy. And, and um, so when I think about the people we partner with on the non-sports side, like, that's what I aspire to have as partners who we're with. Like, we get married you know, we're with them. Um, no, I mean, in all honesty, I think that right now, what's, what, the, what the internet and social media have enabled people to do is to come from any background. I mean, the last time I was in this building, they, they showed me uh, some kid in Japan who's like remaking music on a calculator using the ringtones from his calculator to make like, you know, million view videos on YouTube. And I feel like that just like if you go into any rabbit hole now, there's plenty of value there, and it just depends what brand you are. you know. So from an Adidas, I look at everything through the prism of our right, brand because I've been there so long I can't shake my Adidas yeah, you can. i my talked own to You, you could shake, it. But, you could shake um, it. You know, I think that there's a lot of people right now that are doing uh, creative stuff in the uh, entertainment and technology space that are really pushing the envelope forward. And I'm hoping that all the promises that were made about – you know, all these cartoons we watched growing up are going to finally come true and we'll see, you know, virtual reality in real life in a way that isn't driven through a device or we'll see, you know, how are you the view- shared culture really turn into something.
3: How are you viewing like the gaming space right now? Like, I mean, obviously Fortnite has just like blew the can off of this new global phenomenon of an opportunity for brands. And I'm wondering how you're looking at that stuff.
1: Um. The purses that are being given to the winners of those competitions, the stadiums that they've created crazy. all over the world. When you go to Seoul and there's an entire stadium that's built just for eSports or you go to the Staples Center when they sell out four nights for a yeah. tournament like that, so the physical is so important, that that connection to the
3: customer. And there's a ton of insights. Forget about the sales side, but there's a ton of insights that come out of that. I mean, it's a great opportunity to kind of flex your brand as well as kind of ways to just grab that intelligence to whether move market share, sentiment, or product development, whatever it is. You guys, I went over to Hype Fest, um, shout to Anthony, who's over here that took me around there. Um, you had the Adidas original factory going over there. You had those crazy cars with the murals going on around there. I mean, the the footprint was tremendous. And now I didn't get the, the opportunity to go out to ComplexCon just a week or two ago, but apparently Adidas was all the splash with the augmented reality that you did with... So just to explain to everyone, they put a huge cube in the air in the middle of this arena... And it said Adidas on all sides. And every time, every hour, they dropped a new product. And if you had your phone facing up to it via augmented reality, they were giving away giveaways uh, that could basically capture a pair of sneakers in your size. Now, that is insane.
1: Yeah, it it was very fun to witness that
3: how close are you working with like, I know, look, I know you're on the influencers or the celebrity management side, but I'm assuming that this is a connected ecosystem in the sense that that matters to you. That stuff oh, that they're yeah, doing yeah. matters in a big, big way. So how does that relate to now how like you're looking at taking that type of like, how are you working cross department on
1: that? It's very funny because, um, well, two things. So that was super impactful and super successful because it kind of, it, it merged offline and online in a very disruptive way. The holy now, grail. I mean, last year there was like crazy crowd control issues and lots of lines at, at that event. And so this year we did that as a way to sort of disperse that energy through. And then you redeem. That was that your... gumball
3: machine or whatever
1: that you guys did two years back. Uh, there was that last year. Yeah. yeah. yeah with the lottery things. And mm-hmm. then the lottery. Yeah. But the, this year it was virtual. And so then you would go retrieve your uh, potential prize at these lockers that were mm-hmm. almost like away from the the exhibition area and um, complete sellouts. Everybody was really fascinated by that sort of manner to get to the, to the end result. Um, But to your point, like that is where we are right now as a culture is that if you don't eventize those moments, then I think consumers are kind of left wanting more. Right. So yeah. So, so for us, it's about creating immersive experiences and, and, as a, as a byproduct of that having something to serve up to kids while they're having that moment of building their own brand against ours. Because that that's another area where brands have really evolved is that if you're a, a, a major brand and you want people to adopt you as a regular part of their life, you have to give them platforms to build their own brand on you. So you know by building these backdrops and, and these photo moments where thousands of kids' arms are in mm-hmm. the air taking a picture trying to, to get their winning. So, like
3: taking all that data that comes out of that, is that something that now you're using to guide any of the decisions that you're making going forward? Or is that a different team altogether? Like, uh, that's a different that team, and
1: I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> right. mean, you, you have a lot – like a lot of the feedback you get, um, you know, it's, their kids are telling you what they want. So yeah. if, you're, if you're not listening, then shame on you. That's just an opportunity missed. Exactly if you're talking about the in-store experience
3: essentially with um whether it be high fest or or complex and how do you now like how do you include your your figures your represented talent into those environments in a, in a way that isn't like a show and tell pony ride type of thing but no, it... we,
1: totally so you know the the tenets of the brand as far as like working with creators and being open source Those moments are great opportunities to bring in these partners and ask them, you know, what have you always wanted to do that you've never done? You know, that's what we did this year for ComplexCon. We talked to Pusha about his view of the world. We talked to Snoop about what he had on his horizon. We talked to Pharrell about what his interests were, you know, and they come from very, they're all, yes, in the music space, but they come from very different perspectives. And uh and and so we, we brought all those things to life. And and fortunately they're such great partners that they were willing to offer up suggestions and with Snoop it was it was like great because he had an anniversary of the doggy style record, mm-hmm. um with Pusha. He really felt like that was the first album I bought.
3: Right. Along Iconic. with Aaliyah.
2: Like actually on vinyl? Hmm? Actually on vinyl forty five? No, it was Maybe on a CD, CD. CD, man
3: from Tower <laughs> Records, <laughs> right? Chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right right, 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 different, and, and different, different generation,
2: I guess, George. <laughs> no, no, not It was a CD. I mean, I, I still was, listen that, to records. Yeah. Yeah. That was CD,
1: but uh, but it was really cool because we worked with the um, Victory Records team to kind of recreate nice. the iconic photography that Snoop was in back when that album came out. And it, you know, when you when your network brings in their network and you can have some really exciting moments, it's it's so fulfilling. Everyone enjoys it.
2: When we were talking at dinner a few weeks ago, um, you you came up with this really cool thing that you just went down this rabbit hole and I absolutely loved it. Um, You said that in our modern culture, we can't like two things. Yeah. And um, I think we were specifically referencing, like, you can't both be a Democrat and Republican. You can't like Nike and Adidas. You can't like, you know, whatever. I mean, you could probably... Fiscally
3: responsible, but socially Democrat. Right. I mean, like, the idea...
2: I mean, I want you to expand expand on that a bit, because I thought it was so fascinating. I think you're right. I think the way that we're going with our culture in America right now is that like we're we're divided in two camps, and yeah. you can't be in in both camps. you're either
1: in one or the other or else you're
2: ostracized. so
1: tell right. me about that a little bit i th- I think we're just talking about tribalism, which is like the influencer community at its best and worst at the same time but um the the whole idea that if you're part of a certain crew that if you step outside that crew, that used to be what made you special and unique. And now if you do that, you're, you're literally canceled. So, um, there's a perfect justification for it that goes back in time for years. And, but, but the, the social media, I guess the, 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 twitterification of culture one of the downsides of that is that people have forgotten that you have to actually talk to people in real life in a different way than you can just be like you know get the fuck out of here on social media and um, oh everyone's a thug on social media but but i think that's just what we were talking about is that you know i when i look at stuff i i kind of like I feel like I'm almost an anomaly now because I'm able to both respect people who don't share my point of view on things, but at the same time disagree with them and still keep my point of view and not feel threatened about it. And I don't know if I'm an anomaly, but it definitely doesn't – it's not something that I see broadcasted. It's no, not it's something not, I see it's on not social common. media. But do you see it
3: on the brand side as well? Like do you see it down to the brand level where it's like, look, I can't be wearing uh, Nikes with an Adidas hoodie?
1: Well, I mean, that's just corny to do in general.
3: Okay? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. the uh,
1: Like nobody would actually do that. Yeah, so it was really kind of a that. stupid that's question. That's just like bad form. That's bad form. It's a good example, but it's just bad form. But, um, you know, like I'm sure everyone's about to go to Thanksgiving with their families and think of that one person that they have like a complete allergic political feeling toward and will somehow figure out a way to get through that dinner because you're family. And so, you know, I, I think that that's kind of what we are getting into that night, but... I don't quite remember Can I be what, invited what To what the these family dinners was. Next time please uh, I thought we Yeah I thought we were Doing <laughs> that I thought that's What was happening I'm gluten free <laughs> <I'm gluten-free. laughs> Oh so no, being, no all right, Forget it Speaking
2: Speaking of, uh, of Family dinners um, We might want to Transition into The third segment Of this episode Where Pav has graciously Agreed to
0: bring, Step bring off the
2: stage bro? And invite Mr. Josh Wexler up John's brother Great to meet you. So John didn't know that we were going to invite Josh up for questions as part of this podcast. And we so, just
1: transitioned into an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys are ready. And so
2: we told, we told, or actually Josh told me, I want to talk about things that happened when we were eight and nine years old, right. things that were really weird oh and uncomfortable, and uh, he can explain more about why John became the person that he is today.
0: Should uh, should we do a bro hug right now? Or <laughs> yeah, like should we do? We that? Might as well get it on camera. I don't so there's a camera out there. I mean, obviously, growing up, it's a whole different perspective, and seeing all that you've been able to accomplish is just you know a huge source of pride for for our entire family, but. I think it'd be really fun for people to hear you connect the dots between being a DJ in the basement (laughs) to getting your first job at Adidas and working on like that Kobe shoe when Kobe Mm -hmm. was a rookie to the Mm -hmm. Mac shoe to having a little sojourn at Converse and then coming back to Adidas in your current role. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you make sense of all that? i i think about that a lot now it's weird i started to
1: reflect on all that stuff and i and i think that DJing like had a real impact on me from the standpoint of when you're first of all from a visual standpoint back when i was DJing, there was vinyl and a mixing board so you didn't just like program some st- not that it's just but vinyl it pop was it was a different thing then? <laughs> like like yeah. these guys have the C. People still whatever, use records. Which is like very, takes a lot of skill to operate, but then it was a much more visual thing because you'd have to put a slip of tape on the vinyl and kind of know where the needle was supposed to hit the record and time it with your hands and with the speed controls on the turntable. So it was a just a, a different mousetrap. And... Um, that made me sort of have to visualize as well as hear and use my brain in a way that I think taught me how to read things in a visual way earlier than my peer group. So when I went to college, I had this weird ability to just see things and remember them verbatim where they were And I think that DJing kind of played a role in that. I know that's not what you're asking, but I think about that a lot. And then from a storytelling standpoint, the mixtape whole idea of like having sort of ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys, knowing where things go together and where they don't, where you need like a hard stop to sort of set something in different tonality. You know, when I think about the portfolio of people that we work with, I think about those moments and how like people combine, even though we're doing unique things with each individual and they have a specific territory that we want to be in with them. um, I think about those mixtapes a lot. And then like going to college and losing all that money promoting those shows, like um, the hip hop show thing. uh,
0: Early investor on those shows. It happened,
1: (laughs) but um, it, 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 it gave me a hunger to never want to feel that way again. And so so
0: I just kept fighting for the stuff that I believed in instead of like taking losses. So I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I, I know is amazing about what you do is that the talent and people that you work with, you're, you're super honest with them and super strategic. And I'm wondering like when you first realized that about yourself. Because it's clear that like, you, you know that you're bringing something to the table that is honest and authentic. And like, it's, it's, I think, something that I know I admire about the way you go about who you are. So I'm just, I'm just really curious to know like when you first kind of felt like you were able to harness that uh, Snoop Dogg taught me how to do that.
1: (laughs) So we were,
0: we, we, we I thought I, I thought I taught him. No, no, no. Snoop,
1: Snoop definitely taught me this. So there's a moment in time where, um, (laughs) we have a rule at work where when we're shooting a campaign, we can't hit record unless we have a signed contract. And this was a situation where we were like literally on set finalizing things, not ideal for any of you lawyers in the room, but whatever. so my lawyer and me went into snoop's trailer and said and my lawyer handed him the contract and was like hey snoop we can you please sign this contract so um and we'll finish the deal and snoop took the the contract and put it on his dresser and was like i don't feel like signing it right now and my lawyer immediately like did a double take at me and was like you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Make this happen. And so and I was like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Snoop, um, Mr. Dog. <clears throat> this was actually my first interaction with him. And now he's like Uncle Snoop. You know, he's like family now. But did but, he
2: know who you are, who, who you were?
1: And not then. Okay. Not then. So I was just the dude with the lawyer asking. Yeah, yeah. Him, and so I was like, uh, excuse me, Snoop. Um, we'd prefer if you sign that now. And he grabbed it and I grabbed it and put it in front of him. And he grabbed it out of my hand and said, well, I'd prefer to sign it later. And I was like, fair point. We cannot hit record on the camera unless you sign that. So you have to sign that now or we really can't proceed. And then he signed it. And so from that point on, I was like, oh, just shoot people completely straight, save yourself the time, save yourself the misery of like having and hawing with people over emotional stuff and just present factual information and you'll get an outcome quicker. And all right. so that's then, kind of the thing.
2: Then I want to take that and shoot you straight. <laughs> Josh, did you find that it was awkward when he got the actual handle at Wex on Instagram?
0: <laughs> you know what? I, he deserves it. He's, <laughs> he's built an amazing following, and no one is more worthy of being Wex in social media than, than John. Uh, my kids all are just as jealous as I am that he got Wex on Instagram. They want to be Wex, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. If, if anybody calls, says Wex tonight, both John and I'll turn and look. Uh, just force of habit. But I, I guess I, I'm going to come back to one one last thing, John, that I don't think gets talked about enough. So you helped create House Party, which was really, I think, the, the inflection point where Adidas... Started to become cool again, and I'm wondering if you could tell how that concept came together and like what it what it did both externally and internally for Adidas. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's ten years ago. Wow. We decided we we're going to put the brand on TV. So to do that, we worked with our agency and we said, what What is Adidas like? Who do we want to stand for? And what do we, how do we want to present ourselves? And we realized that. What Adidas is, is this amazing, inclusive brand that has a place for you. If you can wear a pair of Stan Smiths, you have a place with Adidas. And as everyone knows, everyone can wear a pair of Stan Smiths. Right? <laughs> so going back into it, um, the team that works that I'm in now, their job was to have these relationships. My job was to do the advertising work with the agency. So we came up with this concept called house party, everyone under one roof, kind of reflect all the beautiful parts of the brand. Mark Gonzalez from Skate, Kevin Garnett from basketball, David Beckham from the soccer community. And then it was Katy Perry's first time on TV. It was where we really reestablished our relationship with Run DMC, Uh, Method Man and Red Man were in it. The Ting Tings were cutting at the time, Estelle was hitting at the time, they're all in it and my job was to negotiate those deals. So we wanted our team to re- remain um, intact for their relationship standpoint, and then my job with my lawyer was to go in and sort of you know, get them to sign agreements, to use their name and likeness, and promote the campaign. Um, and in doing that, we spent two weeks in LA on a massive movie set, uh, shooting this campaign. It was the first time I'd ever been involved in a production that big, and it was the moment in time where, whenever a celebrity would come on set, my team's job was to put me in the room with them, with our director, to be like, "Here's what you're going to do today." So um, it was an amazing, like, bonding moment for us with all these iconic athletes from our brands, you know, the, the fabric of our brand, as well as these emerging celebrities who um, became global icons, like Katy Perry or whatever. Um, not whatever, Katy Perry. I mean, she's a fucking global icon. So, so that that definitely. And then through that, I also did my first uh, music licensing agreement for that campaign as well. And that was uh, the song, Frankie Valley Begging. And I swear to God, every time I hear that song, I get the chills because it takes me back to that moment in time where, like, we were doing all this stuff that we had, I mean, honestly, we didn't, we're kind of like doing it as we went. And it was just like, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. And in the end, it was just like this amazing experience that, you know, Now I'm at the age at Adidas where these younger kids are coming in and being like, hey, I did my college thesis on this. And it's like the ad. And I'm like, (laughs) and they have no idea that I even worked on it. But it's like amazing for (laughs) me to see that it inspired people, not just like to buy our stuff at the time, but actually like they said, that's what I want to do with my life, which is really amazing, unforeseen consequence.
2: So your brother got me into uh Brian Koppelman's podcast, The Moment. Have you listened to it at all? I'm not sure. It's fantastic. I encourage everybody. Oh, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment. Yeah, mo- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a uh there was a an episode with the writer journalist Nick McDonald. Um, and in that episode, they talked about the idea of honor in one's work. And, uh, a lot of the influencers that we've been working with on solar, I hate that word influencers, just for everybody working with solar, you're all creators and imaginators and and amazing people. But the idea that everybody we've been working with who is in that creative space has been coming to us and say, okay, we love the idea of solar. We love what you guys are doing, but like, we don't want to push products on our followers. Like we, that there's nothing authentic or cool about that. Um, so it's really our job, Josh and I, to figure out how to make the product, well, and the entire team behind everything that is going on at Solar, to figure out how to make um, you know, selling products to consumers through influencers these days authentic. And so my question for you is like America's never going to, you know, step away from pushing products to consumers. That's just part of our culture. But like 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 how do you bring more honor to what like, we do for a living.
0: Like well,
1: I, I think you're doing people a favor. I would flip that entirely. I think consumers want access to like the, the whole thing is that people have fake curated their life to become influencers, which is why you hate the word influencer. Why everyone agrees that that word is becoming something other than what it began meaning. Right. However, those people have influence and those people have an audience who really want to see what they're up to and want what they have like they want to touch those people in a way that if they live in the middle of america and this person that is that they're following lives in new york they want to be able to access them and even if the person that they're that they're trying to emulate doesn't know so they want those jeans they want those sneakers they want that jacket they want that hat people that are squeaky clean it's like "Mm." but if you have a little bit of a vulnerability in there, I think that people would be surprised at how often they display that vulnerability. What comes back from that? Because kids, you know, they buy tour merch, they buy merch from influencers because they want, they want other, their friends circle to know that they're a part of that, you know, going back to the tribal thing we were talking about earlier. So, um, I think that, that it's, it's, it's almost like a disservice not to give the people that, um, choose to give you their attention, a way to to represent you when you're not in the room. I really appreciate the the platform you guys gave me and the opportunity to come in here. I believe in what's happening in this room. Um, I think that, that this is sort of the forefront of where the influencer community is going because there's a direct path to an audience now that didn't exist five, six, seven years ago. And people should recognize the difference between where the marketplace is today versus even like a day ago. Like it, things are happening so fast now that if you're not riding the front end of the wave, you're, you don't want to be at the back of that.
2: Amen. Let's get a, a round of applause for John Wexler, Josh Wexler, Pavin, and Mouth Media. That's it for Solar Stories. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next time for another great guest and another great story on the art and business of influence. I'm George Manley. This is where the story starts. We can't wait to hear yours. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. You can find more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening.